Hey, hey, hey! Heads up, bitches. Welcome to another episode of Cut the Shit. I am Christian Tucker, giving you just another idiot's view of the world. I will be ranting and raving about this week's crap that has caught my attention for its stupidity or its uniqueness or its newsworthiness, or at least what I deem newsworthy anyways. As always, don't forget to catch us on the web at www.cuttheshitalready.com. There you will find links to hit to subscribe to our podcast. Also, you'll find a link to Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at PLZ Cut the Shit, as well as Facebook. You can go to www.facebook.com forward slash cut the shit already forward slash. Got something good to say or pass along? Do it at any of these locations. Got some putrid shit to spew my direction? Do it there also, dirtbag. We welcome it all. Okay, so let's get this shit going, shall we? Well, hey, 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 everybody. Good afternoon, and welcome to episode number two of Cut the Shit Podcast. Real quickly, before we begin, let me fill you into some snafus on my end. So, I originally recorded eight podcasts in a row, and did the video and the audio together, the whole nine yards, edited it, did all this stuff, um, because on the website, I want to have a page where it's just the videos for people who are at work or sitting on their couch board or whatever can watch the videos. And then, of course, you want the audio podcast for people who are at work and can only have headphones on or who are driving or working out. So I wanted an audio and video version of the podcast. So I went ahead and uploaded the videos to YouTube and then to uh, the website at cuttheshitalready.com. I then took the videos, converted them over to an MP3 to upload. And when I did that, something funky happened and the sound quality was absolutely horrible. So again, being new to all this crap, I'm sure there's probably a workaround, but after a bunch of research and some frustration, I wasn't able to find it. So finally I said, screw it. I'm gonna go sit out here, smoke a cigar, and I'm going to redo episodes one through eight audio version only to make sure that the audio quality is correct. And hopefully starting on episode nine, I'll figure out the kinks and the messed up business that I've created for myself. So with that said, now that you know my incompetence level involving this, we can begin. So today I want to talk to you about midlife crisis, the definition of it anyways, or what I deem the definition. Do you ever wonder why you see old men in expensive sports cars? It's not for the reasons you think. Sometimes you'll see an old man in a $60,000 Corvette or a $100,000 Audi R8 or even more expensive. Oftentimes he's with his wife or by himself, whatever the case may be. Why is that? I remember as a young man in my 20s and seeing guys in cars like that and resenting them. And just thinking, what a fucking tool. I hate that guy. You know, you're too old to be driving that sports car. That's, that's cars meant for young guys, yakka yakka. Um, that obviously shows the immaturity that I had in my 20s and what an idiot uh, I was in my 20s. So for those of you who are in your 20s and listening to this, I hope this helps, but possibly not. So you got to ask yourself, why do you always see old men in nice sports cars? And... The first and obvious answer, it's not until these men are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, they hit a certain age that they can actually afford to buy such a car. 
they've worked their ass off, they've made good investments, they've climbed the corporate ladder, whatever the case may be, to get to a, a spot in life where they could afford to buy that car. That's the obvious uh, answer. Be honest with you, that's just a portion of the total picture. Oftentimes, people see him in that car and they roll their eyes and say to their friend, midlife crisis. I hate that fucking phrase. Supposedly, I went through a midlife crisis around 43 years old. At least that's what everyone around me said. And, you know, at first I was like, fuck off. But I got to be honest, after some time, I realized it actually bothered me hearing people say that about me. I mean, I didn't feel like I was in a crisis. Why, why were people saying this about me? So let's go through it, shall we? One, I sold our dream house that I always wanted. It was on a beautiful lake, beautiful architecture, unique. It was truly a dream home. Number two, I sold my company. And number three, I got a divorce after 22 years of a fantastic marriage. So all so far sounds like a standard case of midlife crisis, no? Then I bought a convertible Mustang. Yep, midlife crisis for sure. Then I bought an RV and went to Florida and toured the entire state for 42 days. And then I lived on a beach for a year and said RV. At that point, that pretty much sealed in everybody's mind who knew me that I had gone over the fucking edge and was in the grips of a midlife crisis. Uh, so looking back at it, I could see where people thought that. But the facts are, that's not even close to the reality of things. Let me fill you in from a man's perspective, what he is doing and feeling and the reasons he acts the way he does that everyone just wants to write off as a simple dismissal of a midlife crisis. Now, let's be clear, not every man goes through a midlife crisis. Many spouses, children, family, and friends may never even have known a man that has gone through this supposed change. And there's a reason for it. Let me give you a quick synopsis, then share a more detailed story from my own experience. So let's take a man, uh, you know, 20, 21 years of age. Uh, he gets married young. He works his ass off for 20 plus years, makes sure the wife is always taken care of, that there's always clothes on everybody's back. Uh, you know, she has makeup, new car, minivan. He makes sure the kids has, you know, new clothes and shoes so they could be the cool kids at school. You know, the newest phones, laptops, and all the other jazz that goes with raising kids. So in his 20s, he's working and helping the mother uh, raise the kids. In his 30s, he is coaching Little League and going to school plays. In his 40s, he is buying the teenagers cars and expensive clothes, uh, savings for college. In his mid to late 40s, the kids are finally starting to get out of the house. He no longer has the expense of the kids and fulfilling his duty to put them first. So now he has free time and extra money that he never really had before. He has worked his way up in life and career to finally be at a place where he can afford to do what he wants when he wants. One day he looks over at his wife and says to her, I have always wanted a Corvette or a Mustang or whatever, ever since I was a young boy, but I could never afford one or it was never practical as we had two kids to get to practices and recitals. But now that it's just us, I finally wanna get my dream car. And nine times out of 10, the loving and devoted wife understands and does not protest because 
She knows he has always put everyone before him, and she knows he deserves it. And she wants him to be happy. Even though, of course, she thinks it's stupid that he's getting a fucking Corvette or a Miata or whatever the case may be. A midlife crisis, as some of you asshats like to call it, is really just a picture of a man who worked his ass off and sacrificed many things for himself to provide for his wife and kids, to give them the life they deserved. A midlife crisis is really you looking at somebody who put everybody else before him, a truly stand-up guy, someone who did it all the right way, and now he's being rewarded for it. So again, let's state the obvious. There is no scenario that covers every man and every situation in the world, and some guys are just assholes, okay? They did it all the wrong way and still got the Corvette. So I don't want to paint this with a broad paintbrush saying every man that's in a midlife crisis per se is this scenario. Obviously, that's not true. But oftentimes it is true. The men I have met that do drive those cars seem to fall into that category. They seem to be stand-up guys who are happily married and have great kids that are being successful in life, all because of the things that he did and provided for them growing up. And now again, they're out of the house. It's just him and the wife. She still has her nice little you know, Mercedes or Acura or whatever it is that she likes. And he probably has a, you know, a truck or something of this nature. But now he's also got his smacking Corvette or his Mustang GT or whatever the hell it is he always wanted. So before you dismiss him as a selfish asshole going through a midlife crisis, ask yourself, this person that you're seeing, could he fit into that scenario? Could he truly be one of the good guys, the stand-up guys who loved and respected his family, did everything the right way as far as career and work took place, and now he's reaping the benefits of it all? That's all I'm trying to say. To help illustrate the point a little more, I'm going to tell you my story. And my story is a similar story that follows a similar trajectory. But I made mistakes, and I screwed up. And I did some stupid things along the way. So let's get into that, shall we? Time to bare my soul and share with you all just how big of an idiot I can be at times. So with me, I got married at an early age, similar to that other scenario, and had children. In my case, I was married at 20 years old. My first child, which was my daughter, came around at 21. At that time, I had no career and made no money. But we were madly in love. We had two old used cars till hers blew up. Then we had one car, a 1993 Ford Ranger. Uh, it was a single cab, by the way. She worked, and I did what passed off as work uh, in the retail business. Nothing that was going to make us rich, that is for sure. After our first child, we traded in the truck for a Ford Escort station wagon. That was a real sexy beast of a vehicle, let me tell you. So trying to get a baby to daycare, a wife to one job, and me to another with one car was quite challenging to say the least. I needed a job that gave me a company truck that would afford us then to have two vehicles. I had a cousin at the time who worked for a pest control company and he had a company truck. So I thought that would be a good fit for me too. Just a quick side note, getting in the pest control business was the best thing I ever did professionally as it gave me the tools and experience and knowledge to grow and one day own my own company. But I digress. We'll get into that some other time. So now we have two cars. One is 
our vehicle and one is a company vehicle. I have a quote-unquote career that required 60-hour work weeks and working weekends. Over the next nine years, I worked my ass off to provide for my family and climb that corporate ladder, right? In 1997, we bought our first house and uh, had upgraded her Escort station wagon to an even sexier vehicle, the Ford Taurus station wagon. Uh, Let me tell you, we were big balling at that time. Then 2001, we bought our first brand new car. I mean, brand new. It was a 2001 Isuzu Trooper, and it was just marvelous. We thought we were the shit. As a matter of fact, we bought that, and like the following weekend, we went to Colorado uh, to, to have our first family vacation, so to speak. And that was actually the beginning of our yearly family vacation. So after that, it was pretty much tropical because uh, the wife hated the mountains. Me, I loved them, but she, she was afraid of them. Of course, me taking her snowmobiling up the side of a Crested Butte, doing 70 miles an hour or whatever the hell we were doing, probably didn't. Uh, assuage her fears of the mountain. Anyways, moving right along, guys. So every year, with our refund tax money, we would buy a new piece of furniture, you know, upgrade the old existing piece that we had to something newer and sexier. I moved us from one new house to another new house with each bump and pay, also getting her the newest version of whatever vehicle she wanted. I continued to drive a company vehicle, which helped us to spend extra on a car for her. Finally, I started my own company in 2009, and that required much more than 60-hour work weeks. But it helped us buy our dream home, a home we never thought we would actually have. It helped get her the car she wanted and me this awesome new Jeep. For 17 years, I always drove a company truck. And in that time, I always wanted a convertible Mustang. But it was not practical for a family of four. At that point, you know, we have two kids. And in reality, it's not even practical if you have just one kid, so we never got one. The family was more important. The past few years, nightly, me and the wife, we watched International House Hunters. And still to this day, it's one of my favorite TV shows. We love seeing how people in other countries lived and how cheap or how expensive it was. It opened us up to new things. We decided we were going to travel as soon as the kids were out of the house and enjoy life. We talked about moving to Florida get a small place on the beach, and use that as our home base to come home to. At that time, my son was 16 and my daughter was 21. Little did I know, my daughter had other plans for us. (laughs) Boy, did she. She ended up getting pregnant and having a baby boy. By the way, the baby boy's name is Rowan, and he's a great kid. We were shocked, but happy for her. Then, one day during all of this, my wife made a remark to me. It was an innocent remark, but it changed my life and theirs forever. She said, we can't move to Florida now. I don't want to leave the grandbaby. (sighs) You know, I didn't realize it at the time, but that one remark put me in the toilet bowl, and it began to swirl. 22 years of marriage came crashing down shortly afterwards. As we ended up divorcing, I sold the company and the dream home, and I disappeared. So all the way up to that point of our lives, 22 years of marriage, I was a guy who did all the right things. I did everything with my family. I didn't pawn my kids off on people. We did things together. We went out to eat together. We went on vacations together. I put everybody ahead of us. Then when we made plans to 
decide what we wanted to do for the rest of our lives and then to have it all kind of pulled out from underneath me with that one remark. So we're going to kind of get into a little bit what went through my head and, and what that one simple, innocent remark caused. And so I finally, after much reflection, figured out what went wrong. I spent my entire life living for others, providing for others, seeing to everyone else's dreams and desires, and I sacrificed my own. During the time that I owned the company, we were making five, six, seven times more money than we had ever made before. And somewhere along the way, things changed. You know, you always hear the, the old saying, money doesn't make you happy. And of course you say, well, give me a shot at it. Let me see if I, if I can pull it off. And you know, what's funny is we had everything we wanted. We had the dream home on a lake. We had a you know, boat, a beautiful dock with a party deck on top of it new cars, jet skis. From the outside, it looked like we were living the American dream. But what that money did, it, it, it created a shift in things. And over the next year or two, I went from being the love and respected father that people came to for advice and guidance to somewhere along the way, and it's my fault, let me make that clear as well. To somewhere along the way, I became the ATM machine. And what do I mean by that? I mean, I wanted to buy everything that they wanted for them. I wanted to share in all the success with my kids and even family members. So when my son wanted a brand new PlayStation 4, we just went to Best Buy and we bought it. When uh, one of them needed a new iMac computer, boom. We just went up and we bought it. You know, if we decided to go on vacation, we just got online and we booked it and we went the next week. The gist of it is, I guess I spoiled them to a point that they began to expect it. And then when they began to expect it, the appreciation for it disappeared and the thanks for it disappeared. And I noticed over time that I started to feel like an ATM machine, like I'd said. And if I happen to say no to something, I may have said yes 99 times in a row, but on the 100th time I say no to something, attitudes changed. Um, the way they talked to me or treated me changed. And that started to affect me. And again, I didn't see all this at the time. This is all hindsight and the reflection that hindsight gives you, right? But I lost their love and that admiration somewhere along the way by providing them with everything that they wanted and I thought they needed or what have you. So I, I lost this connection to my family, to my wife, to my kids. You know, my wife didn't work at this point. She was spending her days going to the gym, meeting girlfriends for lunch, going out for wine parties and doing all that type of crap. And um, she also fell into a rut of taking things for granted. With that said, I fell into a rut of taking things for granted. Again, if I was out and about and I saw a $1,000 suit I wanted, I bought it. Uh, if I saw a $500 watch I wanted, I bought it. So we all fell into this trap that money sometimes brings you. And in some regards, it tore us apart and we didn't even realize it. So again, I go back to now I'm at a stage where the only time my kids talk to me at all is if they want something. 
if they're coming to me for money or they're coming to me um, for you know to help them out with a car payment or whatever the case may be, that's the only time they come and talk to me with any type of love and respect. Any other time, there's disrespect involved, and it was wearing on me. And again, I didn't I didn't realize any of that at the time, so that was a big part of it as well uh, of what led to the downfall of the marriage not just that one innocent remark about she didn't want to leave so let's get back on track shall we so as i mentioned i sold the house i sold the business and disappeared at the time i didn't realize that all the things i just mentioned were the reasons i was selling everything that i owned and that i asked for a divorce at the time i did not know what was wrong with me just that i had to go i had to get out of there i had to run away but i did not know why and now i do know i was not unhappy i did not resent my wife and kids again it goes back to the the mistakes that were made on my part uh it goes back to money and how it played a role in our lives and the monsters that that money created Went up again before that, we were a a typical middle-class family. You know, three-bedroom house, two-car garage, yearly vacations uh, that were, you know, not extravagant or anything of that nature. And pretty much overnight, we blew up to something much bigger than that. And it ripped through us and it it pretty much destroyed us. Again, from the outside, uh, a single person would have guessed that was going on. So knowing what I just said about how I started feeling like an ATM machine, not feeling loved and respected, not feeling like I was the father figure of the house anymore, but somebody they came to just for money and they didn't come to anymore for guidance or advice. Um, you know, I went down a dark hole and I kind of became a selfie shitty person on top of everything else. You know, I mentioned that story earlier about midlife crisis and the kind of the general synopsis of a midlife crisis. And in it, I spoke about how the man at that time had spoke to his wife and shared and expressed his feelings and his wants and his needs to her. I didn't do any of that. I withdrew inside myself and I pulled myself away from the people who at the time were making me unhappy instead of having adult rational conversations with them i just went inside myself and that was one of the biggest mistakes as well so again we talked about going back inside myself pulling away and we talked about her remark of not wanting to leave because of the grandbaby and the reason that got things spinning out of control is because again we had spent two years talking and planning on this floor to move and traveling and I had been anticipating it and longing for it I wanted it more than anything else in the world so when she said that to me it was like the straw that broke the camel's back it wrecked me it killed me I had already made up in my mind that I hated where we lived I hated running the business Uh, I could not stand to live there another month and run the business another month and now she says she's not gonna leave that she wants to stay so That's when I began to make every mistake that I did that led to us being divorced and selling everything. You know, again, I closed myself off to her and the kids, 
and became that selfish asshole that you sometimes hear of, came to the conclusion if she would not go to Florida with me, then I would go on my own. And that's how I saw it at the time. So I threw it all away. I had mistakenly put all my hopes and dreams into the Florida basket. And when I lost that, which at the time was how I saw it, my only escape, I didn't take a breath. I didn't take a step back. I didn't reevaluate. I acted like a spoiled fucking brat and left. Let's just be honest. I was a fucking idiot. So number one, if I had known that was what was wrong with me, if I had been honest and done an honest self-evaluation, because listen, I did do a self-evaluation. The problem was I wasn't honest with myself. I lied to myself. I told myself what I wanted to hear, and I wasn't honest about it. And I didn't have that um, type of conversation with the wife or the kids. There was no communication, really. And if there was communication, it was negative. So, again, if I had known what was wrong, I never would have sold the company. I wouldn't have sold the house. I wouldn't have damn sure asked for a divorce. I look back at it now and I realize I was lost. I was confused. I was bitter. I wish I had communicated those feelings better to my spouse and my kids. Maybe we could have figured all this out sooner. I didn't understand my feelings, so I did what I thought I was supposed to do, or at least what I told myself what I was supposed to do, and that was get a divorce and move on down the road. Let me just tell you right now, that's the worst advice. And if you're thinking it for yourself and in your own circumstance and in your own life, I'm just going to ask you to sit down one night and be 100% honest with yourself and have that honest conversation with your wife as well. You might find that's not as bad as you thought it was. I think all men will come to a point in his life when he'll ask himself, what is he doing? What does he want? What will he do? What has he accomplished? What is left for him to accomplish? If that man is smart, he'll ask those questions out loud. He'll seek those answers from his loved ones and have an open dialogue with his wife and his kids. He will ask these when his quote-unquote job is done as a father. Sometimes he will mistakenly think it's also done as a husband because he does not understand his feelings and what is happening. And on that, I remember thinking, boy, once, once both my kids are 18, my job's done. And now I can go and do the things I want to do. Because again, I was married at a very young age, 20 years old. Had my first kid at 21. So I set a goal Uh, a finish line, if you will, for both the kids to be 18. And I foolishly thought that once they turned 18, they were no longer my kids or something silly like that, that I no longer had to be the father that I was before. They'll both be out of the house and live in their lives. And now we're free to go do the things we wanted to do. Let me just tell you right now, that's the biggest bullshit lie you could ever tell yourself. And I did lie to myself about that shit. It's been, that was in 2015 when we got the divorce. It's 2018, and I'm more of a parent now than I was then. My daughter is 24. My son is going to be 20, and they need me now more than ever. You know, my daughter has two babies now, and the struggles of a young girl with two babies 
you know, my 19-year-old son, uh, who's, like I said, about to be 20, struggle with his identity, trying to find himself, what's he want to do with his life, and all that confusion in a crazy new world is a lot of stress and heartache on him. And if I had left, or if I really thought that my job was over when they both turned 18, their lives would have been so much more harder and difficult. And they wouldn't have had any type of support system there if I had just bounced when they turned 18 and never looked back again, so to speak. So let me just say this. I'm 46. I'm living here in the Dallas area, and I'm actually helping my father who has prostate cancer. Your kids are always your kids, and your parents are always your parents. So just because the kids are 18 and they go off to college or they move out of the house or they get married at 24 or whatever the case may be, know this. Your job is not done. You're always going to be guiding them, giving them advice, and answering questions. And that was another one of the biggest lies that I told myself. So again, we talked about not understanding the feelings and, and not understanding what's happening as a man. I liken it to what a woman might feel like when the kids who relied on her for so much growing up, cooking their meals, washing their clothes, you know, doing their hair, picking them up from school, taking them to school, and doing all the things that a mother does with her kids, that now that the kids are grown up and they leave the home, that woman feels empty and worthless. It's like she has nothing to offer because she's not performing a duty. She's not filling a role that she has been filling for the past 18 or 20 years. Now she wakes up and she doesn't have those things to do. She doesn't have those people to take care of. And sometimes it spins women out of control. If there's a term for midlife crisis for women, I think it would correlate to this scenario that we just discussed here. I'm not going to pretend to know the full extent of what women feel on that subject, but I have heard it discussed many times. And ladies know this. If you feel that way, it's very possible your husband feels the same or similar. And before things spiral out of control, you need to discuss all of it, your feelings and his. So the next time you see an old man in a sports car and you want to make jokes, my advice to you is cut the shit. There's a lot more to it than just an old man in a fucking Corvette. And that wraps up episode two of Cut the Shit Podcast. Thank you for listening to my highfalutin ranting and sounding like an idiot at times and exposing myself for being a hypocritical idiot as well. Anyways, again, I want to thank you for listening. And as Ron Burgundy always says, stay classy and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.